Are you tired of being told what to think and how to act? Well, you are not alone. In case you haven't realized it, you have an internal GPS. It knows all you need to know about how to live your life. So it's about time you stopped letting the media and the government tell you what is true for you. In fact, it is exactly that time. It's time to think for yourself. And here to make sure you're doing just that is your host, mediator, author, and lawyer, Carol Gold. Hi, it's Friday, April 11th. I'm Carol Gold, and welcome to Think for Yourself. Are you aware I wasn't until today that in March of 2023, Canada will become one of the few countries in the world that will allow doctor-assisted suicide for people whose sole underlying condition is depression, bipolar disorder, personality disorder, schizophrenia, PTSD, or any other mental affliction. Now, I don't know how in psychiatry you define grievous and irredeemable, which is basically what a person would have to be the equivalent of psychologically as they would be physically if they were dying and assisted suicide was an option for the body because the body could not be revived or healed or its pain could not be in any way mitigated. But how do you say that about a mental condition? I mean, is it possible with any certainty or any real degree of confidence to conclude that a mental illness has no prospect of ever improving? I mean, what may have been done? What has been tried? What may yet be able to be done? Was what was done enough? Was it the correct approach to dealing with the mental problem? This catches my eye particularly because, as you know, at age 24, I tried to commit suicide. But before I did that, I went through years Most of my childhood, if not all of it, my teenage years and my young adult years until age 24, tortured psychologically, emotionally. No one knew it. I was very good at hiding it, but I was very unhappy and frequently suffered from not only bouts of depression, which were unrecognized and undiagnosed, but also physical ailments that in hindsight were the result of my mental state. And at 24, as I said, I tried to commit suicide. Now, what if before I had tried to commit suicide, there had been an analysis of my condition? And what if it had been determined that I was irretrievably and irredeemably depressed? Is it possible that under the Canadian law about to be implemented in 2023, that a psychiatrist or several doctors, however many will have to probably confirm the condition, could have concluded that medically assisted suicide, I think it's called MAID. It's medical aid in dying, MAID. Isn't that delightful? Maybe someone could have concluded that that was the best option for me at the time. And yet, let me share this. I often say that if I had been successful in my attempted suicide that day, I would never have gone on to college. I would never have gone on to law school. I would never have become an attorney. I would never have married. I would never have adopted a child from China that is now 29 years old and all of the blessings that her life has brought me. I would never have accomplished the people that I helped in 15 years of practicing law 
I would never have helped the people that I've been able to help as a mediator or as a private coach doing life counseling. All of the things, all of the joys, all of the sadness, all of the roller coaster that is life and the blessings that I've experienced since age 24 never would have occurred had someone at that moment in my life decided that medical aid and dying was the best option for me. So it brings me to this point. There are things in our culture, there are things in many cultures that we still would rather not talk about and we'd rather not look at. And mental illness is one of them. And I think the easy out for mental illness is death, is suicide by someone who is unable to reason logically because of their mental state in the moment, or medical aid in dying, a family, physicians, whoever, who conclude that this person would be better off if they were not here. We still would rather look for quick fixes. I mean, isn't that what the over-sedated, over-medicated problem is in this country? It's too much prescription drugs, too many illegal drugs, people using fentanyl and methamphetamines and tranquilizers and antidepressants to get through the day, to get through the stresses of life in 21st century America. Isn't that what that's all about? And aren't we, rather than trying to address, to talk about in the public square, the real root causes of these kinds of conditions? Because while some are biological, and some may in fact need medication because we don't know any better at this point in our evolution, most are not. Most are stress-related. Most are the challenges of living in a high-tech society that has cultural breakdown at the same time. That's what most of it's from. So we'd rather not talk about the root causes. We'd rather just shove it under the rug and medicate it, or in this case, terminate it. Another topic we'd rather not talk about is abortion. I mean, we yes, we talk about it, but we don't, that's one of the ones we don't want to look at. We don't want to look at those pictures. We don't want to see aborted fetuses. We don't want to see babies who already look formed in a womb being murdered, which is what it is. I mean, just this week, this past week, there is an abortion clinic in Washington, D.C., which has been on the news a lot because a box of 111 both full term and first trimester, second trimester, third trimester babies were found in a box as waste disposal going to a waste disposal company in I think Maryland from this DC abortion clinic. And it just so happens that the website Live Action in the last few days did an article, but they also, because they were investigators who brought this story to the surface, they posted photographs, pictures of five the five most fully formed, probably one at least was after birth abortion. It was killed after it was, it was, it was alive. I don't know what that's called. I guess it's just called murder. One appeared to be um, in the process of birthing. When you look at these pictures, number one, you can never forget them. You can never get them out of your mind to see the agony and the torture on the faces of these babies and what was done to them and how just twisted their bodies are. And that's why we don't want to look at photos. We want to have intellectual arguments about, is it a fetus? Isn't it? Is it a baby? Isn't it? Is it life? Is it not? Is it human? Is All of the things we do in the public square of ideas, but we don't want to look at those pictures. 
Because to look at those pictures undercuts an awful lot of the argument for pro-abortion. My daughter and I have different opinions on this. And I sent her a link to the article. And I said, if you have the stomach, look at it. And she texted back, I don't have the stomach. I know. I know what it looks like. We've had this discussion before, she said. You know my position. I believe up to first trimester, as long as it's first trimester. So I sent her a picture of a first trimester baby and what it looks like. She didn't respond to me. I'm only singling out my daughter because people who are pro-abortion can't look at the pictures because the pictures belie the fact that they're saying it's not human. You can't dispute what it is when you look at the pictures. And surely it's capable of experiencing pain that we know. We also can't look at and we don't want to talk about homelessness In 2020, there were almost 600,000 homeless people in the United States. I can only assume that number is significantly increased and will get even worse as housing prices go up and rental prices go up and the supply chain is more congested and the farmers can't farm the full measure of their produce and products and the Ukraine, the breadbasket of the world, isn't able to export because it's too busy fighting for its survival. I can only imagine that number going up. We don't talk about homelessness. We don't want to look at the homeless. Child sex trafficking. We don't want to go there either. Children make up 27% of all human trafficking victims worldwide. Children. And two out of every three are girls. Each year in the United States, somewhere between 15,000 and 50,000 women and girls are trafficked into the United States, into the United States. You know, I mentioned on a prior podcast, I actually believe that if we had full information, if there was full disclosure of everything the government knows, of everything the FBI knows, of everything Interpol knows, of everything our CIA knows, that there is a direct correlation between Jeffrey Epstein and and Hunter Biden. And the reason is, is that because both of them We're trafficking in young girls. You may not like Steve Bannon. You may not like the political right, but Jack Maxey was a partner of Steve Bannon's. And Mac, Jack, sorry, I keep doing that tongue twisting thing. Jack Maxey is in Switzerland as I speak. He, He has the laptop with him. And with a forensic expert and a tech expert, they've been able to determine that there are 400 and some gigabytes of deleted files that they're now recovering from Hunter Biden's laptop. In addition to what we know, in addition to the, put aside the financial dealings, put aside the fact that our president is probably compromised by way of his son and in collusion with his son. Forget all the monetary stuff. There is allegedly on that computer, and we've seen some of the pictures, but I hear the ones that haven't been seen yet that will be released shortly are grievous and worse than what we've seen of him with young girls, basically child pornography. So I think that Epstein is connected to Hunter Biden. And I say that because, number one, Epstein's dead now. And I don't believe that he killed himself in his cell. But number two, where there's smoke, there's fire. That's the expression. And there's been talk for quite a while that among the rich and famous, there is a child sex trafficking system. And I didn't believe it at first. I thought it was like paranoia or people making this stuff up. 
But when we see what's happening at our southern border, and we, we know what happens in countries like India and China and Iran and other places where women are chattel, I believe that there probably is a global sex trafficking of children and women systemized process that affluent people who think they are above the law and probably in most cases are because we've corrupted the judicial system, certainly in this country, and corrupted the government. The FBI is clearly corrupt. I think that it probably exists. You know, I have a friend, her name is Carol Fitzpatrick. I mentioned her on other shows. She's a incredible intuitive channeler, a dear friend, a lovely person. And Carol said to me probably almost a year ago now that in one of the channelings, in one of the visions, let's say, that she had, she saw children being brought up from underground tunnels by men and women in uniform. She particularly said around the Philadelphia area. And when she told me, she said it in a literal way, as if it was going to happen. And I thought it was very far-fetched. But now with what I'm hearing about Hunter Biden, what we know about Ghislaine Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein, and we know the perversions of Bill Clinton and those who travel in those circles, I think what she saw was a figurative, not a literal vision. I think we are going to see the children being brought up but it's not from physically underground, I don't think. It's from basically a masked, a hidden, a perverse global network that has targeted children, used children, demeaned women, demeaned young men, demeaned boys, assaulted them, killed them probably, forced them to do unthinkable things. This is another thing we don't want to look at, right? Because it is the worst of humanity and we don't like to look at the worst of ourselves. We want to believe the best of ourselves. We don't want to believe that there are probably other people with Hitler's capacity. We don't want to believe that we all have a dark side. Granted, some not as dark as others, but we all come that way. We all have our higher selves and our lower selves. We don't want to look at slavery as if it's done, but there's modern day slavery, which is even defined by our State Department as the act of recruiting, harboring, transporting, providing, or obtaining a person for compelled labor or commercial sex acts through the use of force, fraud, or coercion. And there is another organization, an international organization, that defines it as forced marriages, state-imposed forced labor, and victims of human trafficking and sexual exploitation. It exists. There are estimated to be, globally, 253 million people being held in modern-day slavery. India is number one on the list. An estimated 8 million people. China's number two with almost 4 million. North Korea with almost three. And the list goes on. Yeah, I'm less concerned about Hunter Biden's financial situation and what he and his father may or may not have done in compromising the United States and its security, my security, your security, infiltrated our government with people who would prefer to see the United States destroyed. Why don't we want to look at these things?
Why don't we want to be made uncomfortable? Why don't we want to inflict that kind of emotional pain on ourselves? Why don't we want to? I'll tell you why. It's because you can't unknow and you can't unsee what you know and what you see. That's what happens. Once you know, you have personal responsibility. Once you know, you can't turn a blind eye anymore. It's too late. You've seen it. Here's the thing I always like to say about pain and suffering. They're different. Pain isn't meant to make you suffer. Pain is meant to bring you present. The analogy I always give is if you break your arm and you have surgery on it and they set it and they put you in a cast and after six or eight weeks, the cast comes off and they say to you, be careful. You know, the arm has been in the cast. It's muscles are a little atrophied and, you know, be, be cautious. And then you come home from the hospital and a dish starts to fall off a shelf or a book and you lunge with the arm that was just in the cast. You're going to have pain in that arm. Why? Because the pain is saying to you, you're not present. You're not thinking about your arm. You're ahead of yourself thinking about the book or the dish. If you were present, you would be cognizant of what you need in the moment. When we're suffering, we're ignoring what the pain is trying to tell us. And that is that we need to become present. When you become present in your life, things become more manageable. The reason we don't like to think about the awful stuff that makes us cringe in ourselves and others is because it can be overwhelming. And you say to yourself, yeah, but what can I do about, what can I do about a box of a hundred babies in Washington, DC? What can I do about 8 million slaves in India? What can I do about sex trafficking? It's huge, right? And so we turn away because A, it reminds us of the dark side of humanity and B, it's overwhelming. But that's because we think too far out. When we become present, you start to realize and you do in fact know that there are things you can do one step at a time within the confines of the parameters of your very own existence. And maybe it's just that today an email pops up and it's from Save the Children or it's from um, the Underground Railroad that the underground, I think that's what it's called, O-U-R, is they rescue children who are being sex trafficked. Maybe an email pops up and you say, you know what? I'm going to donate. I don't have much. I'm going to donate $5. Okay. That organization constantly sends me texts about how many they rescued this week or this day. And so my $5, your $5, whatever it is, is actually doing something. But if you're not present, then that email just gets deleted because you've got 20 work emails or people who you have to respond to, or some people who sent you jokes or whatever it is, because you're not present. You're not realizing that the universe gives us opportunities to not only be our highest selves, but to make a difference in the world. But we can only seize those opportunities if we're present. The past can't be retrieved or changed. To worry about it is the misuse of your energy. Or regret it is the misuse of energy. The future isn't here yet. So worrying about what might happen is again the misuse of energy. If we take the energy that we regret the past and worry about the future and we bring ourselves present, 
Not only do we stop self-inflicted pain, emotional and psychological, we also become present enough to seize the moments when we can make a difference. We can make a difference in the world. We can make a difference. Maybe it's abortion. Maybe it's mental illness. Maybe it's homelessness. Maybe it's child sex trafficking. Maybe it's modern day slavery. Whatever it is, keep your eyes and ears open, but stay present. And remember, God doesn't give you anything you can't handle. Thanks for listening. I'm Carol Gold. I'll be back here again on Monday. And until I am, stay present and think for yourself. Carol thanks you for spending your valuable time with her. It is her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. That's carol with an E, gold.com. Please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself.